0: My health fades, the vision dims, and all that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos as the healthcare systems collapsed. But most of all, I remember what we lost. I remember the healers. The thundering machine that was the global healthcare system spluttered and failed. And its culpable health officials. Well. Don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimizing your interest. Seemingly they were the only ones allowed a voice. And as the systems continued to crumble, and as hospital waiting times exploded, a firestorm of fear emerged. People began to report on their neighbours for not being vaxxed or not wearing their masks high enough on their faces. And in the hospitals, it was a nightmare of adverse events and of patients being killed en masse. Only those educated enough to scavenge for the true health solutions, strong enough to put up with the attacks and the slurs Of being called conspiracy theorists or anti vaxxers would survive. Are you one of these people? Because if you are, I ask you to join me and join High Adventure! Well, good day, everyone. It's Charles Mackenzie with you, and uh, if you listened to the previous two episodes of Joy and High Adventure, you'd have heard the background uh, of how I came to know about deadly medical scandals, and uh, the one like Australia's tainted blood scandal that's still being covered up today. So you can imagine how I felt, perhaps walking down the main street of the suburb I live in in Sydney in 2020 to see all these people with masks adorned on their faces and uh, doing what was called social distancing. There they were being lined up like farm animals outside of the bakeries and cafes that they would collect their croissants or uh, their coffees from. And I was amazed at how quickly... Sydney society had changed, um, you know, f- from being free people to suddenly uh, all complying. Now, uh, you might think, well, why wouldn't you comply? There's been apparently a pandemic. We have a a uh, sort of um, this old bald weirdo called Klaus Schwab and his World Economic Forum and their great reset and the army of uh, people who are cooperating With them, When they said that, well, basically what we've got to do is now that a virus like COVID's come along, we have to be locked down and we have to then line up to take these experimental injections that have been made with the business partners of Klaus Schwab and his World Economic Forum. Well, this uh, proposition for me uh, was not very appealing at all. And if you'd listened to the previous episodes of Joy and High Adventure, you'll know why that was. Because the same public health officials that were working with weirdos like Schwab, James Bond villains here in Australia, are the same public health officials that are covering up the murder of Australian medical patients. Okay, we're talking about people with the bleeding disorder haemophilia who received tainted blood products before the 2000s that were made up from uh, blood donations collected by the Australian Red Cross and then made into this appalling blood product called Factor Eight that was made by uh, one of Australia's biggest businesses, CSL, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, formerly owned by the Australian taxpayer. That was until the Australian Labour government, who, of course, uh, are connected to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, privatised the culprits, one of the main culprits behind Australia's deadliest medical scandal, Tainted Blood, CSL in 1994, okay? And then this same company, CSL, in 90, that, that was privatised, the same company that's murdered children that I went into in the last episode, uh, I've known about ever since I was a kid, okay, this same company are then given more of Australia's taxpayer dollars, okay, to make uh, what was called the AstraZeneca uh, injection, OK, Australia made that here, manufactured that uh, here in Australia to COVID. And what a disaster it was. No one wanted it. And it's the only one so far that the Australian government admits has killed people. Although uh, those of us with our heads screwed on know that uh, none of these jabs uh, so far have a stellar record. OK, <laughs> and certainly the conduct of the manufacturers of these jabs and some of their executives. My goodness, if you've seen those uh, Pfizer Commercials. Uh, it's not commercials, sorry. <laughs> Anti-commercials, I should say. They're fraudulent slip on their part. <laughs> A uh, Pfizer anti-commercial, or well, if you've ever seen those uh, Project Veritas uh, videos that have come out, those uh, videos where they manage to get uh, recordings of uh, some of these executives talking about uh, what's really going on with uh, these injections. Okay, it makes for absolutely shocking stuff. We see, I didn't need to hear this latest evidence because I've always known, as I've explained. And so in 2020, would you believe, as I'm realising that uh, they want to now do these QR codes, you know, something I never did. You know, I'm a free person. Uh, My family helped establish the Australian Navy. Uh, We fight for freedom. We don't comply with those that, uh, you know, want to bring about its end. That's not Australia, okay? And so I knew that this was... uh, uh, the same public, corrupt public health officials, uh, you know, pulling a stunt. Um, they were part of some sort of stunt. Okay, something was up, and uh, this World Economic Forum. I mean, sorry, I don't take my health orders from a James Bond villain. No, it's uh, something I learnt growing up as a kid. I saw those James Bond movies, Doctor No, um, with Sean Connery. Do you remember that in the nineteen sixties and the character Blofeld? You know, so ah, uh, oh, Blofeld. I'm being Sean Connery. Not very good. <laughs> I used to have a brother who'd be very upset because he hated my Sean Connery impersonations. But uh, anyway, uh, what I wanted to say was that I don't take my health instructions from a global pervert called Klaus Schwab. So, uh, yeah, no. And so what uh, I also found uh, rather interesting in 2020, as I'm noticing everybody is now complying with all of this weirdness, is that uh, my right lung had started <laughs> not to work very well and a whole bunch of other things uh, had been going wrong with my body. Now, as you might know, I've been a tainted blood victim as a kid and I actually had the same, before I got the tainted blood, I had an adverse reaction to a medication that left me with the same condition as the boy in the plastic bubble. Okay, But um, the thing is, is that uh, for many decades I've managed to pull through and, and in fact I've I've done very well. I'd learned about health because our public health system, uh, the same one that infected me with hepatitis C, a deadly virus, and the same virus I still have today, okay our health system showed me in the 1980s that it does not care. It is very interested in taking our taxes, okay, but is not interested at all in actually doing a professional job. I mean, they've harmed thousands of people here in Australia with tainted blood. Did they help any of us? Was there any counselling? No. So I grew up into a scenario where I realised I have to help myself. I have to, for all intents and purposes, be my own doctor, okay, because these guys couldn't be relied upon, all right, and they just simply haven't been offering the services. So in 2020, I realised that after many years of having done well using my own ideas, vitamins, uh, good diets and all this sort of stuff, exercise, I'd extended my life. There was no doubt about that, but at the same time, I realised that things were changing and that perhaps uh, my life uh, was about to become very different, either I was about to become incapacitated or even die. And we'll just go to this break, and I'll tell you what happened next. A new series is coming to join High adventure. Project Watch Your Ass, where citizen journalists make hidden recordings of corrupt people working in the healthcare sector. Here's an example. How do I make hundreds of millions of dollars, despite having been a public servant on taxpayers' money? Jeez, you ask some... <laughs> you ask some questions, don't you? Are you sure you're not a, a bloody journalist? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't worry, sweetheart. Drink away. <laughs> we, own, we own all the media anyway. They've all, got, they've all got shares in us. No, look, seriously, darling. Um, Look, it's pretty simple. Uh, I was given shares as a public servant in the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories before 1994. I was only on, in those days, I was only on what equivalent of today would be 100,000. But, you know, I got these shares. But the thing is, what we'd done at Commonwealth Serum Laboratories and what the Labor government worried about back in the 90s is we'd done the exact same thing that, you know, the American company, that pharmaceutical company Bayer had done, and we knowingly shipped HIV-contaminated and Hepatitis C contaminated blood products, right? <laughs> to all these hemophiliacs, right? And um, there's, there are about 1,400 that we killed here and we infected them all around the world. Well, Labor took a look at this and thought, Struth, if we get caught for this, we're going to be on the hook for billions. And so they decided, you know, why have accountability, okay, when you can actually sell the bloody thing instead? And so knowing this, I took up shares while I could and I've made hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, anyway, that's my story. Now, look... Uh, You feel like coming back to my place for for a cup of coffee? So that's the project. Because if your ass is corrupt, it's going to get recorded. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was feeling uh, pretty beat up in 2020. These symptoms... Um, And I must say, symptoms that I'd expected to come because I'd seen hundreds of people die uh, from the group that I'm president of, Infective Blood Australia. You can go to our website, and infectivebloodaustralia.com. Please support us. Okay. But um, we'd all had HIV or viruses like hepatitis C uh, as a result of tainted blood transfusions or blood products that had been given to us before the 2000s. And the government... Uh, still to this day, as I've mentioned, are involved in a major criminal cover-up. If you're an internet sleuth, this is the show for you, let me tell you, because uh, you've got a chance to be part of history, uh, because this criminal cover-up, it's pervasive, okay? It's right across the Australian healthcare system, and they'd kill before they'd admit the truth. And uh, in fact, uh, as you find out later on this series, uh, they may very well have done that, okay? Killed witnesses uh, to stop them. Uh, revealing the truth, the multi-billion dollar truth of this scandal. OK, so the government denies help to the people infected with HIV or hep C. There's no counselling. There's no nothing. So when you get sick, you go to your GP and that GP will, uh, you know, recommend uh, antivirals and, and various things. And in the uh, you know, years ago, that was the, the deadly AZT, you might have heard, connected to that terrible uh, American doctor, Tony Fauci, Okay, now disgraced Fauci and uh, that whole health system of back then pushing these terrible antivirals on people with HIV. Well, they tried to push antivirals on me uh, for my hepatitis C years ago. I was told I was crazy for not taking them. I was told I was committing suicide for not taking them. Other friends of mine took them and they're now dead. Okay, okay. But others were cured by them. It was a mixed bag, Um, but uh, they were very gruelling, it has to be said. And so I knew something was coming. And so in 2020, just by luck, as this fake pandemic is pushed by weirdos like Schwab and uh, his uh, complicit Australian health officials who are covering up murder but trying to tell me to wear a mask, (laughs) I start finding that my right lung doesn't work. And I'm finding that I can only breathe by lying on my left side. Then I find that my hands stop working, and then I find that my bladder stops working. And essentially, uh, I realise I'm in major trouble. At the same time, I also recognise I've got broken teeth, and uh, my back molars of my teeth are broken. This is very common with someone with a bleeding disorder or with a virus, uh, okay, and our teeth deteriorate. It's very common amongst tainted blood victims in Australia, survivors of our nation's deadliest medical scandal and biggest cover-up. Our teeth deteriorate. And so we supposedly have uh, you know, taxpayer-funded uh, dental uh, public health for, for impoverished people like me that have been impoverished through the government's uh, criminal negligence. Um, but, of course, after many years of trying to get them to repair my teeth and then making promises and making all the right noises, they're never repaired. Um, one one case uh, happened in, um, I think it was uh, two years ago now. Okay, so uh, I go to this appointment. I've told them my situation, that I'm disabled. They give me an appointment at 8am in the morning on a cold, uh, uh, cold for Sydney time anyway, if you're listening from overseas, Sydney, Australia, on a cold winter winter's morning. And uh, when I arrived to this all-important appointment, because I've got an abscess tooth, it really needs to be seen now, and I've you know, got a bleeding disorder, it's not safe to continue as is. Uh, when I got there, they'd simply cancelled the appointment without telling me. And uh, they told me, well, to make up for it, they gave me a voucher for about $100, which was many hundred dollars uh, light of how much it would cost. I went to other dentists with this voucher, and I was knocked back. So I wasn't very impressed with that. And so I... Uh, remonstrated with New South Wales Health. Uh, but I had to go and see a private dentist and uh, spend my own money, of course. And he gave me antibiotics and painkillers and things that I could use to, to help uh, stem the infection um, that I had from an abscess tooth. Okay, it was very, very painful indeed. Then New, uh, New South Wales Health, or the Sydney Health Service, uh, promised to make up for it. And uh, I was sent to the Sydney Dental Hospital, where a dentist called Dr. Ahmed, who was a very nice chap, uh, very polite. And I really thought, oh, good. Finally, I've got my hands on a professional. And he recommended actually, you know what, instead of pulling out this tooth, this back abscess tooth, uh, because I have a bleeding disorder and want to avoid uh, blood, if possible, uh, needing blood or, or uh, uh, you know losing blood, he recommended uh, something that he felt was less traumatic. He recommended a, um, a, a root canal therapy. And so he said it would be done, and there'd be three, uh, four sessions or whatever a number of sessions he mentioned, and it would be done. And so I agreed. And so he said, right, well, I'll, I'll get back to you on the Monday. Well, I never heard from him again, but I did hear from a student, and they got me in. Uh, they said, they, you should come in. But uh, as I went into my appointment to have this uh, root canal, I was asked a series of questions uh, to fill out a, a form on my iPhone. And it asked me, had I been given one of these COVID-19 Klaus Schwab and his mates, uh, you know, these injections that they've uh, ma- uh, created to uh, keep us all alive from this COVID-19? And I replied, honestly, no, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. But what I did do was I agreed to do the rapid antigen testing. And I also agreed to, agreed to wear a mask despite having a breathing impediment, okay? I find it very difficult to breathe. I've got a one lung that works and one that doesn't fully functions. So, I um I sign this thing you know, and I go into the Sydney Dental Hospital, and then there's this absolutely awful woman. Now you might think that she might think she's a concierge, but uh, a concierge in twenty in the twenty twenties for a, a health facility is a very different thing from a concierge <laughs> pre pandemic, um, because these concierges they have a nasty edge to them. <laughs> And as I walk in, and they've they've got this on camera at the Sydney Dental Hospital, and they've actually confirmed that they have admitted this, that they've got it on audio, they've got it on camera, I'm going to make sure that it goes to court, okay? But this is what happened. After filling in the form, after agreeing to wear a mask, despite having a mask exemption, despite having one working lung, after telling them I'd do a rapid antigen test to prove I didn't have COVID, I got this, in front of a crowded hospital. Okay. In the foyer there, I got, why are you unvaccinated? And at that point, and, and your mask is down too low. That's how I was accosted. I've got a to- an abscess tooth. I'm in pain. And I said, okay, well, uh, that's my private business. It's none of your business. I have an appointment upstairs uh, for Root Canal. and I'm going to have that appointment. Thank you very much. Get out of my way. And as I moved through the hospital, I actually had a witness come up to me and say in in the in the lift say that was completely unreasonable uh, her breaching your privacy like that and yes it was. Anyway, I got upstairs and uh, they did stage 1. They put a cap on this tooth. I was then told by the dentist, this uh, de- uh, trainee dentist that um if I was late for future appointments or uh, if I used any foul language or anything like that, which I thought was bizarre. Why is she telling me I've never been here before and I'm a polite patient? Why would I swear? But she told me that uh, if any of that occurred, uh, the the appointments would be cancelled. So I said, okay. You know, I saluted and basically said, I'll be a good boy as I always would be. And they put a cap on my tooth. When leaving the Sydney Dental Hospital, I then was accosted by security guards. Okay. And one of them asked my name. I gave my name. Now, I'd been given a subsequent appointment for stage one of root canal therapy, okay? It was to happen within two weeks of that first appointment. Well, of course, the security guards were surrounding me because it was all over the upset of this business over me not being vaccinated, okay? And me saying, "Uh, you've breached my privacy because I answered whether I was honestly or not and they didn't like my answer, okay? So they subjected me to this scene and uh, I then was contacted by the Sydney Dental Hospital to tell me that they'd cancelled my subsequent appointments okay so the root canal therapy that they'd started they had rescinded all right and they gave they gave a, a spurious excuse uh that it was um connected to uh you know connected to the um the fact that they couldn't find a dentist or they'd uh, changed their roster or whatever else it was well, that was almost a year ago now, and I've been left uh, with uh, these broken teeth, okay? And um, one tooth has got a cap in it. I don't have the money to do this root canal, and what's more, I don't even want it. But that leads me into the other problem, and the other problem is I'm going to need to have this tooth out, and I've got a bleeding disorder, and if that happens, I'm more than likely am going to require blood. And what kind of blood is that going to be? Okay. Well, we'll talk about that and a few other things in this medical apocalypse. (laughs) I was about to say a medical acropolis. (laughs) Medical apocalypse after this break. As a young person just starting out in life, I'm already aware of the corruption in the world. In case of an accident, I want to ensure that I have peace of mind by having access to non-vaccinated blood. Unvaxed blood. I might very well be needing some. How about you? You can support our campaign for unvaxed blood by going to the show notes at joinhighadventure.com.au and supporting that petition there, and you can also support and follow the campaign on Instagram at uh, unvax blood. and Did you know that Instagram made that unsearchable despite us never making any claims about mRNA entering the blood through uh, blood transfusions? What we've said is we want peace of mind for everybody because uh, the tainted blood scandal in Australia is still being covered up, we still don't have the truth of that, and it's just a bit premature to take yet more gambles, in our opinion with the blood supply after all the thousands of deaths that it has caused, okay? So if you agree with me, please support the campaign for unvaxed blood. But you see, uh, this tooth coming out and things like that got me thinking. And it got a lot of people in our group thinking who've had blood in the past or people like me with bleeding disorders or a propensity to bleed or those needing surgery going forward that we, we don't want to take yet more gambles. We already have enough nightmares with the HIV and with the hepatitis C that we have We don't want any more, thank you very much, okay? So, you know, this failing healthcare system and its unreasonable demands, it reminds me of like uh, airlines. You know, airlines might have 10 planes crash in a row and then they put a gun in your back and say, you need to get on board the plane, don't ask any more questions. I just don't want to fly, okay? Yeah, no. And uh, so here I was though, during this pandemic, finding that muscles in my body weren't working. And um, I actually... Did, had situations where, I, you know, I like walking and I was finding that all of a sudden I'm walking like I've got mad cow's disease. Okay. Now I'd formerly done very well in my life. Um, I'm 50 now and to have made it this far with uh bone marrow failure, I've never had a bone marrow transplant. Okay. And to also have been a tainted blood victim as a kid, I couldn't have made it this far without having made some, you know, decent moves health wise. My contemporaries uh, haven't survived, okay? And uh, I'm not saying that's because I made always made the better health choices. It's also to do with uh, fortune, okay? I was more fortunate, um, just the roll of the dice. But uh, here I am, though, and that fortune's running out because it's inevitable that uh, my health was going to catch up with me. And so I found myself during this pandemic... Uh, finding that my muscles wouldn't work and it was especially distressing and it was especially feeling like it was uh, some sort of bad episode of the Twilight Zone um, because uh, my stepfather had at that same time been diagnosed with motor neuron disease, which of course is uh, terminal. It is, if you know about it, basically uh, uh, all of your nerve function, your motor function, I should say, uh, ability to move your arms, speak, eat, Do anything for yourself is gone and uh, it's the most torturous death. Okay. So this is really, really distressing. It was happening to a fabulous man who I uh, had a great deal of respect for. And so I'm thinking, crikey, is this happening with me? I mean, imagine. Okay. Imagine. And uh, so I needed to, to get to a GP. Well, my GP of 30 years had retired. And formerly I was what you call in Australia a bulk billing patient. Now, A bolt-billing patient basically means that the government covers your costs. Well, they have to in my case because when I was a kid, I was a bolt-billing patient. The government covered my costs and then they gave me tainted blood as a kid. So they've been apparently looking after me, you know, telling the world they have been. They haven't been doing any looking after me. But basically, I I wake up in this pandemic to find my doctor has retired, okay, and so I go to see a new GP and he says, oh, no, 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 you're a bolt-billing patient, uh, you know, this is going to be difficult. We don't normally uh, do that. But i tell you what, I'll do it in this case. I'll make, an, I'll make an exception in your case because I feel sorry for you, basically. And so he saw my condition and saw the fact that I couldn't grip things and was walking like I had mad cow's disease. and he felt like I possibly had something like uh, multiple sclerosis or even dementia. Certainly this was serious. And he said to me, I need you to go to get a MRI done. done on your brain and on your spine, and uh, you should go to emergency at uh, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Camperdown, Sydney. Now, this was amusing to me because it was the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney that gave me the taint of blood as a kid, so I was a bit trepidatious about going back there. But he said, no, 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 this is super serious. Go there at 6am in the morning, okay, as the neurology team and just uh, starting the day, okay, starting their shift, and uh, you'll be seen. Well, of course, I turned up there in, uh, I think it was uh, late 2021, November or so, and um, I was told that I couldn't go inside because I hadn't been, of course, wouldn't you know it, uh, vaccinated. I was uh, put outside in a tent, and I actually shared evidence of this as it was happening on my uh, Infected Blood Australia Instagram page. It's still there. They put me in a tent with a special sticker. You know, they marked me, basically, and they put this ridiculous mask on my face as I sat outdoors and I was sat there for an age and I got the feeling, hmm, I don't know, I get the feeling they're treating me this way to you know sort of let me know something. So I just said to one of the nurses, um, am I going to be seen by one of the neurology team today? Because my GP sent me up here, he thinks I've had a stroke. And she turned around and just said, not without a vaccine, you're not. Okay. So I uh, realised, well, I, they'll keep me here for days on end. Um, that's the attitude. Uh, they didn't tell me that when I first arrived, and so I simply just stood up and hobbled away. OK, well, then I, uh, I then what, what a disgrace, honestly. I mean, they denied me an MRI scan after my doctor sends me up thinking I've had a stroke or thinking I've got dementia. They denied me an MRI scan because I haven't been vaccinated for this COVID-19, a virus which is hundreds of times less deadly than the virus the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital this hospital that was denying me a basic diagnostic scan, for goodness sake, gave me in the 1980s as a kid. And it was around about then that I started realising that we're in apocalypse. Common sense has gone out the window. Not only that, so too is the law. It's lawless here in Australia. If you're listening from overseas, please listen. Please believe me. I can give you thousands and thousands of cases of lawlessness that's happened to patients here. It's the end, Okay. So I then realised, right, well, i better get another referral. I get another referral to see a specialist at St Vincent's. This time, fortunately, thank goodness, I see a professor, and it's uh, totally different. He arranges an MRI scan for me. This time it gets done, although it was months after uh, Royal Prince Alfred's uh, debacle, and he also arranges a swathe of blood tests. And uh, here I am thinking I've got dementia or had a stroke, and uh, was surprised to find and, and happy to find that uh, no, no stroke as of yet, no dementia, but I did have vasculitis. I did have a autoimmune disease called cryoglobulinemia. And unfortunately, uh, it was also found that I had a misshapen neck. And this misshapen neck uh, was creating what was called a bone marrow signaling problem. And this was responsible for the uh, the motor function issues, right? This progression of these motor function issues with even my speech becoming affected, okay and and the way that I'm speaking to you today is through medicinal cannabis. I have to take huge amounts of this now for my body to operate, okay because otherwise it's all over the place, and actually, even though it looks like I don't have a brain disorder, it plays like a brain disorder because of the nerve interruption um it's a bit bit like Parkinson's okay, or very much like multiple sclerosis and how it feels and looks, okay, but it's actually to do with this bone marrow signaling and also this autoimmune condition that came about from the taint of blood. So that was a, you know, it was a bad news and good news in a way because at least I now knew after many years of not knowing during this pandemic what was wrong with me, uh, what was wrong with me. So uh, I thought, right, well, I better go and get myself, uh, go back to the GP. Uh, unfortunately, that GP uh, that had referred me, um, he could no longer see me because his practice uh, would not accept any more of these bolt-billing type of people like me. I then thought, well, i better find another GP because, my goodness, I'm going through them. You know, this is now two GPs in in short succession. I found another GP. I asked whether their practice uh, would be bolt-billing. They assured me it would. This doctor seemed very nice. And so she recognised that with this information, I should urgently see a haematologist because my bone marrow, uh, as this professor from St Vincent's, had thought I'd come out of remission. okay for this uh, boy-in-the-plastic disease, uh, boy-in-the-plastic bubble disease known as severe aplastic anemia. Pretty serious. And obviously, you know, I recognise that uh, the news meant that uh, quite likely I, I, I could be terminal. So uh, I, um, I I don't think there's any more treatments for me, perhaps. This is this is the issue, right? So uh, basically what had happened, uh, I got sent to a haematologist at Royal Prince-Alfred Hospital because there's uh, local and um, what would you know? I mean, that was tough for me, going back to the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, uh, the same hospital that had infected me as a child, the same hospital that had lied about that, the same hospital that had done covering up and had really been at the heart of so much of the infected blood scandal in Australia. You know, I, I was, uh, again, feeling trepidation. So I went to this appointment. I was told that I had to wear a mask at the appointment. I told them that I had a doctor's exemption because I only have one functioning uh, lung. And in fact, you know, I took a video one day of of when all of this was happening, of me coming to terms with my lung, where I I basically had a controlled collapse on the street because I was going up a hill and I just couldn't get a breath of air. So the only way to do it was to lie on my left side on the street to get a lung full of air. This was what I was going through. So I refused to wear a mask and uh, I was told by the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, okay, well, if you refuse to wear a mask, even though you've got a doctor's exemption, guess what? We're not going to do... Any diagnostic tests on you. So the type of bone marrow biopsies that you have to have with my disease, severe aplastic anemia, they told me uh, it would be denied on the basis that I had a condition uh, that meant that I could not wear a mask. Well, you see, the outrage of that is, is that they gave me that condition that meant I had to wear a mask. They gave me the hepatitis C that caused the cryoglobulinemia that's causing the misfunction, the malfunction of my right lung. Can you believe it? This was a slap in the face from the very people that had infected me. And I realised I'm in the apocalypse. This isn't healthcare. I knew what this was. This is something else. This is contempt. This is kicking sand in the faces of Australians. Eh? And so, yeah, it's. Uh, I realised at that moment okay, that uh, I was in major trouble with their type of logic. I then tried to go back to the same referring doctor, the new one that I'd found to replace the two other ones that I'd lost, the same one who'd referred me. I went back to her urgently to try and get me to make another, try and help me get another referral to a different hospital that might have more smarts, you know, denying me a bone marrow biopsy because they fear a virus like COVID, which is hundreds of times less deadly than the tainted blood they gave me, and they knocked me back for that. So I tried to go back to get another referral And as I entered that GP's surgery, I was told that they would no longer see me (laughs) because they had now become a practice that did not accept bulk billing patients or patients that have their bills paid by the government. So here I am, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here in this medical apocalypse, okay, and uh, I have uh, come out of remission apparently for my bone marrow failure. I have uh, broken teeth. OK, one of which uh, had a cat put on it a year ago. I don't think it's safe. I'll have to have that tooth taken out. And more than likely, I'm going to need blood. And of course, that's going to end up being vaccinated blood, isn't it? So <laughs> I'm in big trouble. I'm not going to have vaccinated blood. So I'm going to try and survive for as long as I can without. Do you have any tips that you could help me with? OK, that's something I'm looking to do. I'm looking to build camaraderie with other people who recognise that our healthcare system is not a genuine healthcare system. We are in a medical apocalypse. How are we going to survive? Okay, join me after the break to discuss just that. This is a message from Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. Did you know it was through the power of marketing that the World Economic Forum was successful in penetrating markets and political systems and politicians like Australia's Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, Canada's Justin Trudeau, the list goes on, Joe Biden, on and on. Great success came from advertising, and you can do it too. Harness the power of zip propaganda by advertising on Join High Adventure Podcast. By contacting their producers, they can surely advise you on how you too can penetrate the markets all around the world. Welcome back. You're listening to Charles McKenzie on Join High Adventure. And here I am, doctorless, okay? There's no doctor for me. I can't afford one. And and here in Sydney, Australia, uh, there's been a fair bit of news in the media about politicians admitting the fact that this bulk billing Uh, Scheme, the scheme where doctors uh, uh, are paid by the government to look after poor peasants like me that they've uh, given tainted blood to as a kid, uh, isn't working anymore. Okay, so I uh, was infected as a kid in the 1980s. My doctor retires uh, now, basically, and I wake up to a world where the same services that I formerly had as a taxpayer uh, no longer exist for me in practicality. Okay, and that's a problem because with Raw Prince Alfred denying me a bone marrow biopsy, okay. I needed that for my bone marrow disease because, you see, in Australia we have this much vaunted thing uh, by the Labour Australian government, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, Okay, and it's a scheme where the government funds the costs associated with disability. Well, I've, I've been kept alive by volunteers from our group at Infected with Blood Australia. They've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on me. Can you believe it? Yeah. And I've also set up, uh, well, a campaign, uh, has been set up by a committee member of Infected Blood Australia and it's a GoFundMe and it's collected uh, 3000 odd dollars, I think, just close to that, something like that, uh, since December. And that's because uh, I don't want uh, volunteers in my group having to sell their homes like other tainted blood victims have had to do to fund me, or, you know, other tainted blood victims had to sell their homes to look after themselves. And I don't want volunteers who are not affected by the scandal becoming impoverished looking after me. So it's clear I'm in trouble, okay? There's a medical apocalypse. Uh, I've got no access to a doctor. I've got no access to a a dentist. I don't have the money to do so. Uh, The only way for me to get that money, I have a a pension, okay, that's uh, under $1,000 a fortnight and 80% of that money is spent on my medicine, which is not covered by the Australian government. This is the medicine that keeps me alive. If you've ever seen anyone with Parkinson's, okay, or anything like that, see the way that their arms move around involuntarily, okay, that's, even though I don't have that same condition, it it comes out like that. If I don't have medicinal cannabis, I even, would you believe, after having been told by my mother that I had the gift of the gab, uh, the irony was during this pandemic that I started to develop a speech impediment. Uh, which is, uh, at 50, a a really weird thing to have happen to you, okay? I talk normally, however, uh, when I have cannabis in my system. And uh, I'm brought to you today by cannabis, okay? (laughs) If you're a cannabis company and you want to sponsor a a podcast, we are that podcast, believe you me, because the producers and myself and so many of us involved with this show have chronic conditions, okay? And uh, we make good use of medicinal cannabis, uh, and uh, we are. We'll be talking far more about that on this show because we are called Join High Adventure, and we're going to go into everything that has benefit for patients. But right now, I uh, have been very uh, happy to have uh, been kept alive by uh, the support of people who listen into our show, and by people who follow the campaign for justice for infected blood at our. Social media pages you can find Infective Blood on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, okay. You can also find us this podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Okay? But do you know, do you have any natural health tips? Because you know, I'm trying to survive this medical apocalypse, but I want to do so naturally. Okay, I'm sick of the adverse events. To be honest, I'd rather die. Okay, I've had a lifetime of them and i'm just fed up with being conned and tricked by these snake oil salesmen posing as australian public health officials or pharmaceutical uh, sales reps okay now i've had i've had some great friends uh, i've made some great f- great friends through campaigning for infective blood australia and a good friend recently recommended something called black seed oil could be good for me do you know about that well i've been reading up on it and i'm i'm going to do just that i'm going to start taking it and i'm going to share what happens to me and I've got another friend called Aliki. G'day, Licky. Licky recommends celery juice as being a good way for me to overcome, okay, inflammation. I have a major inflammation, as does basically anybody uh, with a chronic condition. You know, or anyone over 40 for that matter, uh, inflammation is a major fact of life. And can I just tell you, since this pandemic has begun, inflammation, which formerly should not have been a major issue for young people, has been made one through adverse events connected to these jabs. How disgraceful. Once again, the same officials, right, who are covering up Australia's deadliest medical scandal and the same officials whose conduct led to me not wanting to trust them ever again. That's why I didn't take one of their jabs, okay, or do their QR codes. Those same monsters, those same tyrants, okay, are the ones telling you that you have to take one of these hastily arranged injections from their mates at Pfizer or at this disgraceful company, CSL, that killed all these haemophiliacs, did the same thing Bayer did, but because they've got the, connects, the connection with the Australian Labor government, okay, they were allowed to get away with it and were privatised in 1994 to help them get away. And they've left all this destruction behind. They've left a contaminated blood scandal. Not just them, you've got the Australian Red Cross The managers of our blood supply, they've got tens of thousands of victims that they've given deadly virus like hepatitis C to from blood transfusions from the inception of our blood supply. And we now have a situation where more and more Australians who've been harmed by their healthcare can't get help because we can't afford doctors, okay, because our pensions don't cover it. I basically, my food, okay, is now, the way I eat is via charity. It's through volunteers and friends supplying me my meals. And this after I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money trying to get justice for the Australian victims of this global infected blood scandal, this scandal that you're tuning into, this adventure that I'm still on and one I'm asking you to help me with. Okay, my health is now failing. I feel a bit like uh, a pilot in an aircraft that's been hit by a missile. I've still got one engine uh, firing and uh, I'm trying to balance out the aircraft but i'm uh, i recognize uh, there won't be a return to base okay uh i yeah and so uh, my mission now is pure survival okay i hope i've done enough to get a raw commission into australia's deadliest medical scandal infected blood i've been a witness in the uk's uh, inquiry the infected blood inquiry which is into contaminated blood over there that uh, has stopped having hearings now and the the chair of uh, that inquiry, Sir Brian Langstaff, will be issuing his report uh, later on this year in 2023. And he's actually got a letter from me that uh, he's obligated to reply to as part of the inquiry rules. And uh, he's a very decent man. Of course, that's why he's selected to uh, preside over this inquiry. And I've uh, I've asked Sir Brian Langstaff uh, to look at my statement, and when he sees what happened to haemophiliacs or people... Uh, who are affected by contaminated blood in Australia, when he sees the denial of help, the fact that we, we get no counselling, we get no services, and the fact we have to borrow and beg and accept kind charity in order to survive, I think he'll agree with me that he should recommend to Australia's judiciary that we have what the British are having, and, and that is a legal investigation, okay, and that we have actual help and hopefully things like food stamps and, you know, just things to help us get through and help us stop begging on the street, okay? Now, look, uh, I hate to beg. This is why I didn't ever ask for donations. I funded the campaign for infected blood for decades with my own money, and like I've said, I've spent everything on it, and now my health is failing, okay, and I'm forced to, yeah, forced to ask for your help. By going to joinhighadventure.com.au, you can donate to us directly. That's uh, through the Stripe system okay, or there's been a a GoFundMe campaign, and that is in the show notes, okay, and if you could donate to that, it would help me greatly, it would also help me develop this show, okay, Uh, we want to try and make it a weekly show if possible, and uh, in future episodes, we've got some real spectacular stuff for you. As I said, if you're an internet sleuth, okay, uh, you're going to really love this show, because I've been campaigning for decades for justice, okay, for Australians that are harmed by their healthcare. And uh, if I suspect I might be in trouble, boy, am I gonna drop some truth bombs and boy, am I gonna share some evidence for those internet sleuths that can carry on the fight. Are you ready to uncover the truth about the infected blood scandal? Then join us on High Adventure. At joinhighadventure.com.au, we go straight to the heart of the matter. And this week, we have a special recommendation for you. The seminal book on the haemophilia tragedy, written by beloved Aussie author Bryce Courtney. A personal account of the loss of his son, Damon. This book is a must-read for anyone who wants to understand the full extent of the atrocity. I'm reading it right now, and I suggest you do too. Simply visit the show notes at joinhighadventure.com.au and you'll find a link to the book. Get ready to be informed and inspired. Will I survive the medical apocalypse? Will any of us survive it? Well, you know, I've been an activist all my life but it's becoming clearer to me that I've got to become something akin to a health warrior. And I think we all do if we're going to survive in this post-apocalyptic medical age, okay? And you heard in this podcast me talking about how I've been sent tips by friends, things like black seed oil or celery juice in an effort to help me survive. Have you got any others? Because if you do, I'm going to share it with our audience. You know, our audience is made up of other people who've also got chronic conditions. We've also got tainer blood victims who tune in, right? And I'm going to share any tips that are worthwhile with them so we can all help each other try and survive this madness, okay? So please send any tips to healthtips at joinhighadventure.com.au and that email address will actually be in the show notes at our website, as will the GoFundMe, where you can quite literally help keep me alive by donating to that, and you can quite literally help keep this podcast coming, okay? And we very much hope that you can tune in next week to the next edition of Join High Adventure!